the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Coalfield and Company. All right, here we go. Four o'clock hour. Adam Hill is here. Ari is steering the ship. It's Cofield. Going to kind of reconstruct, reorganize the four o'clock hour every day. We got some big news coming up uh, next week that we'll tell you about. But uh, here we go. Big four at four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. All right, let's come out of the gates here with. We're confused. The, I know, the lot of years of Big 5 and 5. Uh, with the other side of the NFL, and that's the losing side, right? When you get out of the gates, there's so much hype before the season. So much excitement, except for a handful of teams, my team, the Jets, being one of them. But there's so much hype, and it's such a downer when you lose that first game. And I'm going to tell you, if you come out in week one after a loss, and you are punching down, and I'll admit it, we are down, right? You know, if you if you're going to go after the media in week one of a season, you are punching down. And I'm sorry, that means you're leaking oil, and I think it's a sign of bad things to come. And there were two guys, at least two guys, who did it this week. We'll get to Art Smith in a second from the Falcons, but Robert Sala was what? So Robert Sala, who once again started the season with a blowout loss, as usual, that's what the Jets do. They're bad. He said. Stop doing this because you're going to look really, really stupid in a couple of years when this turns around. He said, quote, I know it's going to happen. And we're all taking receipts of all the people who continually mock and say that we're not going to do anything. I'm taking receipts and I'm going to be more than happy to share them with all of you when all is said and done. Come on, bro. What are you, a 22-year-old on social media? Cut it out. Also... You're not the the freezing cold takes Twitter account. Right. You don't need to do that. There already is somebody that does that. Secondly, maybe spend less time taking receipts and more preparing your team. Right. How about that? How about don't go into a season with a backup quarterback that's 100? That when he has to play in week one, can't move around at that's, all. That's an organizational <laughs> issue. Sure. So... I, I was so I was so not excited for game one. Like, I want to see what happens the rest of the season. I like what they've done in this last draft. I think Zach Wilson has a chance if he can stay healthy. But coming out of the gates in the first game, I was like, no, oh, they have no shot. JVT and I argued at the end of the week. He's he's pitching the Jets. And he's like, oh, you want to bet it? I'm like, yeah. Yes, I will lay the seven with the Ravens. The Jets will stink this first game. And they stunk. Well, look at, I mean, just, you know, I know, uh, when you look at survivor pools out there, like, a, you know, you just have to pick a winner for the week. Like, so many of the teams that were picked heavily lost. Because week one is so unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen. It was a crazy <laughs> week. So <laughs> many close games. So many upsets. That game? Not those of us that had the Ravens. I, I was. <laughs> so, I, I, I mentioned during the offseason, I, I will go to bars to watch the game, right? Or games. And the mornings have eight or nine games. And I will never go up. To the bartender, if the Jets game is not on, I will never ask for it. Because I'm like, I don't have the balls to do that to the rest of the bar. The other games are better. At the end of the day, sorry, the end of the morning game, switching to the afternoon, it's like 1 o'clock, right? And all of a sudden, it was like six games were on the line. Some great comebacks. Six games are on the line. And one of the TVs was on the Jets and Ravens. And I'm a Jets fan, and I was like, damn it! Like, switch the game! (laughs) Get this game off. Robert Sell is going to save this tape. Good. He's going to play it for you. Good. But by the way, here's the other thing that is insane to me about this. Because it's happened with certain players, too, where they turn it around and people are like, you said he stunk. Yeah, the Jets do stink. So if you're saying right now the Jets suck and you're going to save the receipt in a year and be like, now they're good. I'm talking about now. Yeah. They suck now. So what do you mean you're saving the receipts? We're right. They do stink. You don't save receipts and then, well, now in a year, he's good. Okay. They were bad now. You can't save the receipt from that. Falcons lost a a close game against the Saints. Art Smith walks up there, their head coach. Who? Right? I'm sure a lot of people around the country are like, I don't even know who that head coach was. You buried us in May. Bury us again. We don't care. We'll get back to work. I mean, (laughs) dude, cut it out. It's week one. The vicious Atlanta media. What are you doing? Right? I mean, when you see coaches do this, you're like, bruh. Just high on the prize. Stop punching down at us and fans. It's just dumb. 
number three. There's no more to say. Win a game. It's enough. All right. The narrative yesterday. Willie went real hard at McDaniels about not playing the key guys in the preseason. JVT came out on 440 and was like, Willie, Carr plays 18 plays, 18 snaps in the preseason. What does it matter? Now, the record of the quarterbacks who didn't play in the preseason was the 2-9 or 3-8? I believe it was 2-9. Okay. Not good. Where do you fall on this when the quarterback doesn't play in the preseason? By the way, I will throw in on Willie's behalf. Willie also pointed out that in Herbert's case, it's multiple years in the system. In Carr's case, it's a new head coach. Sure. Uh, how We just talked about the Jets. How was Zach Wilson on Sunday? How did he play? Do you remember? I can't uh, – I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah, he didn't because he got hurt in the preseason. Uh, you, you, you can't – there's no magic formula. You don't know. Now, I would say it's very easy right now to say, look how bad the quarterbacks did who didn't play in the preseason. Sure, you can do that. But then there's there, it's just as likely I would have to look back the last couple of years. I wouldn't be surprised if it was the opposite last year. Uh, by the way, Carr didn't play in the preseason last year or the year before. He, they made the playoffs last year. He didn't play in the preseason. So I, I, don't, I don't think there's a magic formula. I don't think there's a right answer all the time. And... I don't. I, you said you were watching uh, the press conference earlier uh, when you know uh, Mick Lombardi was asked about this, the offensive coordinator of the Raiders. Of hey, do you think maybe some of the timing things, some of things would have been a little bit better uh, had you know the guys played in the preseason, the key players? And he just said, Devontae played, or excuse me, Devontae didn't play in the preseason. How'd he do? Like, there's not a magic formula, for, and it's a new system for him too. Now, yes, he's an elite, unbelievable player, sure, but. There isn't. There's nothing that says that yes, this will work or yes, it won't. It's all about the team, and I think there's certain players. I don't think Carr wants to play in the preseason. I think there's guys that say, "Hey, I need the reps. I want to get out there." Um, it seemed like Patrick Mahomes maybe did that this year, right? Because he wanted the new. He had the new receivers. He wanted to work with them a little bit. But I think it's kind of the feel for the players, the coaches. Josh Jacobs did play, by the way, in the preseason. Like so, I don't know. I don't think there's a. There's not a magic bullet. There's no ideal answer for this. Big four at four continues. Number two. Was Aaron Rodgers a putz after the game or just doing what you do as a veteran quarterback when he spoke about his one of his new receivers, Christian Watson, really struggling? C-Dub catches that one, 75-yard touchdown. If I pull the one on the goal line, I walk in for a touchdown. There's 14 points. Let's see, 23-7. Yeah, so we would have been the real football. You know, it counts. It's different. There's nerves. I thought Christian ran a great route to start the game. You know, we talked about it during the week. Do you really want to start off with a bomb shot? I said, yeah, what the hell? Why not? You know, this kid can really fly. Let's give him a chance. I was teasing Patrick after the game that we got him. He said, yeah, I wasn't quite warmed up yet. We got to make those plays. I mean, he had a couple catches, I believe, right? Look, we got to have patience with those guys. They're young. You know, they haven't been in the in the fire. Now, that patience will be thinner as the season goes on, but uh, the expectation will be high. So we'll keep them accountable. Too much? I don't know. I think I think just it, it kind of relates to what we were just talking about, right? There's no magic answer. My my first thought was that when I watched this play, when I watched Chris Watson drop a short touchdown, right? Like there's, not, there's it's not one of those that hey he might have scored. No. It, it's a it touchdown. Five yards in front of the of Patrick yeah. Peters. And so that's a touchdown he dropped, and it was right on his hands. Huh. Like you know the Darren Waller play in the Raiders game. Huh. People are debating is that a drop or is that a bad throw because the Raiders had zero drops. People, what about Waller? It was a terrible throw. So that's not a drop necessarily. This was a drop. This is an easy touchdown dropped. And and my first thought watching it was, I wonder if all the all the critique and all the you know criticism and all those thoughts were all running through Watson's head as he's running and he's like, oh, I'm going to shut everyone up right now. Oh, and I dropped it. And so does this <laughs> add to that? Or does it have nothing to do with it? I, I don't know that there's a right answer. I don't know if there's a right answer to how much you lean on a guy, how much you crit- criticize him, how much you you know, build them up. Maybe that helps some guys. Everybody's different. So I don't think there's an answer. And I think they probably have some sense of what these guys respond to. Um, They don't have that years and years of building it up, but I think probably in practice, they know what works and what doesn't. And you're going to treat guys differently based on how you feel they're going to respond to what you say. Colin Cowherd got all over Rogers because uh, he heard the word patience. And when he watched the game, he's like, Hey, these guys made some mistakes and Rogers just gave up on them. Christian Watson drops a big-time throw to start the game. Would have been a touchdown. Maybe the game's different. Maybe the score's different. Maybe the momentum's different. But he didn't. He dropped it because he's a rookie. 
And then, by the way, rookie Romeo Dubs had a miscommunication with Aaron Rodgers early. And what did he do with both of them? Patience? Understanding? No, he ghosted them. This was the fastest game those young receivers had ever played in. They played in smaller schools. Is he right? Not about the smaller schools part, because I think that's stupid, but about ghosting them, giving up on them. I, I haven't watched the full game to know. Right. He didn't uh, target was, him very much yeah. until later in the game. But that said, you're a veteran receiver and you got guys out there and they're not making plays and they're not running the right routes and they're not in the right position. Yeah, for this game, I got to go to what I know. Yeah, and I think I think that's a pretty natural thing. Now, obviously, yeah. they also didn't have, quote-unquote, their projected number one receiver, Alan Lazard, who wasn't out there. Uh, so we don't know how the routes are going to kind of shake out and how the distribution is going to shake out when they do have them. And I'd, I'd imagine he goes to those guys more later on in the year. But you're also losing a game. Like, you've got you've got to know, like, hey, we've only got a certain amount of chances here to try to make a comeback. Let's let's go with what we know a little bit more. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know that he just said, I'm not going to throw to you anymore because you dropped that because you can't really do that. You only have a certain number of receivers on the field. It's not like you have 12 guys in a route. Like, you only have a couple of guys. Maybe they just weren't open. I mean, I don't think Derek Carr ghosted Hunter Renfro. He didn't throw to him for almost three full quarters. I don't think he ghosted him. It just it wasn't there, and that's not the decisions that he made. Number one. We opened the show talking about Denver's decision, the way they managed the clock, kicking a 64-yard field goal for a winner on fourth and five with timeouts left in about 20 seconds. We could sit here and do whatever, you know, what everyone else is doing. We, we got on them. We got on them. We could do what everyone else is doing. Uh, you know, this was idiotic. This was moronic. This was asinine. This was offensive to math, to sports, to logic. I just read what Adam Shine on SiriusXM was saying. I will not do that again. I do want to concentrate on the other side. I bet Seattle. I bet it on the thought that, hey, it's the first game for Denver with this whole crew. There could be some growing pains. Seattle is a tough place to play. It's going to be loud. Russell Wilson's coming in. Yeah, he wants revenge, but he's apparently enemy number one, which is a weird thing with the fans. It was not going to be an easy spot. Now, as I was watching my guy, Geno Smith, who I stuck by for a long time, even when he got punched in the face and had his, his, uh, his jaw broken, I stuck with him. But I also know who he is. He stinks. Yeah. And last night, he was 17 of 18 to start the game. A couple of touchdowns. He finishes up with like under 200 yards, right? Wasn't it 195? 195. On 23 of 28. And then afterwards, you know, everyone's celebrating, and he gets in front of a mic with uh, Lisa Salters and fire it. So for the folks you said had written you off maybe, what do you say to them? Yeah, they wrote me off. I ain't right back, though. That's the problem. I ain't okay. right back. Let's go. When I heard that, I was like, I don't even know what that means. Um, <laughs> but, but, and I, I was happy time. for him. I, it was cool victory for Seattle. Like, like, you know, if if anyone wants to to be like Art Smith or, you know, or Robert Sala and keep receipts, if Geno Smith is ever good consistently, he can go at a lot of people. But I'm pretty confident in still saying he stinks. And for everyone today who's rotten up, you know, over Geno Smith, let's relax. It was an uneven game. The second half was okay. He threw two good touchdown passes early in the game. He's okay. And I, I will, I have, I guess it's my dream is that somewhere, if I don't know where John Schneider, the GM, was sitting, because I think Pete Carroll does want to win to a certain extent. I wonder if Schneider upstairs is watching the game and he's like, damn it! God! <laughs> come on! Geno Smith is in there to lose. Yeah. He's not going to try to lose. He never but they, they, they have to get a top five pick. They have to get they one of these to. quarterbacks. Gino did everything he could. I don't think. Okay. But I'll just I'm tell sure you, he I, did. I did not see anything in the Their defense is good, right? Sure. Although Jamal Adams now down for the yeah. year. Their defense is pretty solid. Up there is going to be tough. I still don't believe they're anything better than a six-win team. No. Like I, we can all feel all rosy about Gino. Like, you know, I like the guy, but come on. I'm sure, I'm sure they did. I'd have to go back and look again. I don't remember a first down in the second half. Like They were awful in the second half. I would I would suggest to almost say yes. I know it would just would have been decided by a field goal. I would say Seattle was a wrong side winner. Yeah. They they got yes. they got run out of the, off the yes. field. Yes, they just didn't. They just happened to win. Those right. things happen sometimes. It's a crazy sport. The Broncos fumbled twice inside the one yard line. That is nuts. That never happens. It's crazy. I actually saw there was a stat. I think back in like two thousand three, there was a game where it happened, but that just doesn't happen. The Broncos ran all over them yesterday. They just didn't win. And that's why sports is awesome. That's why football is awesome. But 
Like, settle down with the Gino outduels Russell Wilson. No. No. That's not an accurate representation of what happened. Brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 570-9000. Might try to draw him off size, E. Well, you don't want to waste that much time, I don't think. So you just burn 30 seconds to call a timeout? A lot of time wasted right there to call a timeout, Pate. But you gotta, you gotta get some yardage. They're gonna kick it. Kick what? Hold on. Oh. How far? Let me see how far this 62 is. 62-yarder, 63-yarder. What? Cofield and Company NFL Insider Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk joins us now. All right, let's bring in Miles Simmons with us here from Pro Football Talk. I'm all thrown off here because we had we had a great piece of audio coming back there, Miles. But I got to start out with something else before we get to the Mannings. Adam Hill showed me something during the break, right? <laughs> That's and, always dangerous. Well, you know, yeah. first of all, I'll ask you: Did you see the bevy of videos around the NFL with fans just kicking the living crap out of each other? What? What? There? That was at, like a big thing this weekend. At, no, at, frankly, at, no. it was ever SoFi. There was like well, at, it always. I mean, it always happens. At there was a, I mean, there it's was like happening. A, it would happen I at know, the Coliseum. It always. Happens. I know, but but like there was a like a, a like a little square area, town square area with Lions fans, just like forty of them just beating each other up. It was it was all over. Adam just showed me one, and I know you're a very refined gentleman. Adam <laughs> just showed me one of a woman. Bengals fan oh, sitting in yeah. her seat, vomiting yeah. repeatedly. Yeah. The person in front of her is a child in a neck brace. No one is moving, and the vomit is just flowing. I can't take this. It, it, you know, I said it, and I had a visceral Sopranos oh reaction. Like, uh, just come on. That, that is unbelievable. It, that that one. Get up! I go to the bathroom. Don't vomit <laughs> in your seat, you pig. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I got, I, yeah. I don't disagree. You're right. That it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. I mean, like, but I think Adam said it probably best. That I mean, that's what happens when you watch the Bengals' offensive line. Yeah, that's there true. You go. That's a good line. Okay. But up, right, what was what was more horrifying to you, that video or the fact that I made you go to Sizzler after the game? On <laughs> the fact Sunday? that you made me go to Sizzler. That that's what it is. Yeah, I would much rather sit there and watch the woman vomit than have to go to Sizzler Stop. again. <laughs> what was the problem? What was the problem? What I mean, look, I all it's this is exactly what I said when Adam and I were in the press box at SoFi Stadium on uh, Sunday. I said all the restaurants in Los Angeles, all the good food, and you want to go to Sizzler? Yes. Why? Yes, we don't have it. If there was a Waffle House, we would have been going to Waffle House. Oh uh, it's God. fantastic. And oh. by the way, almost worth it just for the look on your face when you walk in of. Oh my God! I'm really here. It was it was great. <laughs> it was fantastic. You know, I I, I told uh, my mom because my my only exposure to Sizzler was when uh, my uncle graduated, got his MBA, and he was like, "We should go to Sizzler." And my mom was like, "We are absolutely not going to Sizzler." So I was telling my mom <laughs> last night, and she's like, "Yeah, you know what? Growing up in Olathe, Kansas, as she did, the little town just outside of Kansas City, like when the Sizzler came, that was a big deal." Yes, we loved. We, yeah, you know, we went. We went to Sizzler all the time. It was a it was a special occasion thing. And my mom and my stepdad loved the whole salad bar. Oh. My grand, may she rest in peace. Loved a, a, a buffet. She loved it. Happy birthday to my mother, by the way. And I don't by, think she's listening. Though. So for us, for us that uh, sorry they weren't so uh, hoity toity out in the uh, in the in the mean <laughs> streets. Uh, that was like a great treat to go to a Sizzler. It was great. It has great memories for us. And by the way, I'll say this: you bit in your steak, and you're like, it's not as bad as I thought. It was not the, the the steak was the temperature that I ordered. I was <laughs> I, I was impressed. All right, give me your reaction to the I, clear mismanagement. He admitted it today. Nathaniel Hackett, and then you hear the Mannings are like, "Okay, what's going on?" And then uh, that was Shannon Sharp, right? And, and we, yeah. we that should was also Sharp kind of flipping out, like, "Wait, wait, what?" We should point out Shannon. What? Shannon was trashed, by the way. <laughs> he was doing shots the whole oh, fourth okay. quarter, right, and he said, really? "Yeah, he said as because I watched the Manning cast. I love Manning cast. It's fantastic." It's uh, not for me. But, like, the whole oh, – stop. Well, you want to listen to what Joe Buck has to say about the game? Uh, yes, the, I do, actually. <laughs> the, and oh, Troy sorry, Aikman. Sorry. I like those two. Sorry, I forgot. Uh, yeah, that's, that's fine. Uh, but, no, <laughs> I, I think, I, I think it, he said, I can't watch this anymore. I'm going to have to do shots. He did – I would say he did, like, six shots in the fourth quarter. Oh, so that might Lord. explain the reaction a little bit. But, yes, it was preposterous. No, it 
No, I mean, like, I had pretty much the same reaction. What, what are they doing? Why are they kicking? I mean, I was expecting them to get right to the line and run a play on fourth and five because if you don't get it, you still have three timeouts. Right? You, you still have every single opportunity to go and win that game. Look, what Nathaniel Hackett said today, I, I almost think made it worse than what he said last night because what he said is that was our mark. We were trying to get to X spot that 46 yard line so we could attempt that field goal. If the if a 64 yard field goal is your plan A, it's it's a stupid plan, it's a terrible plan and it's the wrong plan. And you know, it's just the rare opportunity that everybody has to say, no, that was wrong. It's not just conventional wisdom. It's not just, you know, the quote unquote analytics folks that are like, nah, I don't think that's right. All of us agree that was the wrong move. It was ridiculous. And the, the explanation of that's where we wanted to go, that's our mark. That's a stupid bleeping mark <laughs> if that's what your mark is and that's where you're trying to go to hit a 64-yard field goal. Are you out of your mind? It, it, like, I can't. I just, wow. Yeah. I'm fired up about it because it's so dumb. It's just dumb. Like, how many football games have we collectively watched together? When was the last time that you saw something that dumb by a head coach? What is going on? I mean, he I know choked. it's his first he game choked. as a head yeah. coach, but like, can he call plays and manage the game at the same oh! time? Because that wasn't the only thing that was wrong, oh! right? All the delay game penalties. Yeah. Well, how do you that have that bad. many delay game penalties? Yep. Like, what's going on? And like, man, Nathaniel Hackett, man, he's got he's got to shape up quick because like that's not going to work. Boy, I love that one. Uh, one of our buddies was on last week from Denver, and I was like, let me tell you, one of the Achilles' heels. I do not like this coach being the OC and the head coach at the same time. And the first game, he gets all discombobulated. Diana Rossini from ESPN said about Hackett, uh, what's funny is I had conversations with, quote, football people in the league today about his decision, and nobody was crushing him. Really. Okay. I don't believe that. <laughs> maybe they didn't believe, maybe they, maybe they didn't to her. Yeah. But I'm sorry, like, it's a stupid decision. It's a bad process. You don't go for a 64-yard field goal as your plan A. That's dumb. They're not at altitude. If, it's, if it, it was at altitude in <laughs> yep. Denver, I could almost understand it. The ball travels farther at altitude. We all know this. But they were in freaking Seattle. They're 16 feet above sea level instead of 2,358, I think. I don't actually know Wait, if what? that's right. <laughs> mile high 5,000 yeah. 5,200 plus yeah, 5,200 yes. come on oh is that what it what is, is going on? <laughs> bro football talks very right. upper crust when it comes to steak but not so much about uh studying elevation and topography uh Miles Simmons is with us all right I gotta play a piece of audio for you because if uh you're a cowboy fan I'm not saying you are but cowboy fans in general have to be frustrated you know the last thing I want to hear is one of the Jones boys going on local radio and now Steve Jones went on, and he had this to say on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Passing game goes hand-in-hand, hand, the quarterback and the receivers. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, we've, we've got to be better there. I mean, CD's got to, uh, you know, he's got to improve and, and work his way into being the number one receiver we think we can. Obviously, uh, you know, you've got a guy like Michael Gallup who's going to be coming sooner than later. And, uh, it's all you know, us and obviously is. And um, I... I don't need the owner coming on saying that CD Lamb's got to work. Uh, this is a decision they made to go with this thin, inexperienced receiving core around Dak Prescott. I, how about I screwed up with personnel? Oh, well, he's never going to say that this early in the season. You know, I mean, I, I understand wanting to see more out of CD, but I don't think that going on the radio and saying it like that is any is productive at all. I, how is that productive? How does that really help you? I don't I don't think it does. Um, and, you know, now that Dak Prescott's out, like the Cowboys season is bleeped anyway. Like, that's just not, you know, like whether he's out six weeks or eight weeks or four weeks, whatever it is, you lose your starting quarterback for that long of a period of time like that. It really messes up your season and it can totally trash your season. I mean, I, they have a chance to still be the seven seed, I guess. But you guys think that like one of those other teams in the NFC East is going to win the division? I, I mean, I certainly do. I don't know. I think the Cowboys now are fighting to win like seven games, um, and I, you know, I also think they blew it by not getting a real 
backup quarterback behind a guy who's probably going to have injury issues the rest of his career in Dak Prescott. Well, no, I'm not saying the the ankle affects his hand. That was a fluke deal, but get a real back. They cut their they cut both of their quarterbacks right when uh, you know around whatever to get down to 53. Like that shows you how much they think of the quarterbacks. Yeah, but they had Andy Dalton two years ago, and a lot of good that did them. So, like, again, unless you're the 2017 Eagles or you're the 1999 Rams, I guess, then, like, you lose your starting quarterback, you're screwed. That's just the way it works. I don't agree, but we'll uh, we'll continue this argument <laughs> another time. We can go through a laundry list of decent backups who could be brought in, and we'll see if they roll the dice on Cam Newton. I'm not sure what that's going to do for, yeah. you know, the five or six weeks. <laughs> Cooper, I, well, you know what? We'll let it play out. We'll let it play out. I expect nothing from Cooper Rush. And like you just said, essentially their season's over unless Dak comes back and can go like 7-1 and one down the stretch. Right. It's craziness. It's total craziness. All right. Let's look ahead to Chargers and Chiefs because you can give us your impression of both teams. Are the Chargers deserving to be within, you know, three and a half, four points here on the spread? Uh, yes, because they're division rivals and it's a short week and it, weird stuff can happen. Uh, and Justin Herbert is really, really, really good. Um, and I, you know, I, I just don't feel like though, at least watching that game on Sunday, that the chargers are yet at the class of the chiefs, but because they're division rivals, they can go against each other. And I, I wouldn't be shocked or stunned or whatever if uh, the Chargers pulled it out. I mean, but last year when the uh, Chargers went into Arrowhead and they won, they won it because the Chiefs just could not stop turning the ball over. I mean, like, balls were going off Tyreek Hill's hands, who's no longer there, and, you know, Mahomes was throwing dumb things. It It's not the same Chiefs team, I think, that struggled in the early goings of last season, in part because they don't have Tyreek Hill. You know, it's there's more unpredictability with that offense, and they absolutely beat the living daylights out of the Arizona Cardinals, which, like, uh, again, I mean, this is not what we're talking about, but why in the world did Steve Keim and uh, Cliff Kingsbury get extended through 2027? I don't know, <laughs> and that will never make sense to me. Yeah. Um, but the Chargers, I mean, as long as they've got Justin Herbert, like, they're really good. I mean, that guy, man, he has the best pure arm talent that I've ever seen. He throws wow. balls that are just unbelievable. So, like, I can see this one going either way, but I would give the edge to the Chiefs because they're at home. You know, they're a little bit healthier. It looks like the, the Chargers aren't going to have Keenan Allen. I was in the locker room when he was saying that it, it's small possibly that he could play, which is not really a, a thing. Like, a small possibly is a strange way of putting that. But, yeah, he probably ain't playing. So, I, I would pick the Chiefs in this one. Miles, what do you got coming up on Peacock? Uh, well, uh, you can see me now every Monday throughout the 2022 regular season on PFT Live. So that is on Peacock in the very early hour of 4 a.m. Pacific time. But also, uh, I will be co-hosting the Peter King podcast uh, starting nice. this week. And our first really? episode should be posted tomorrow. All yes, right. there are some clips already online. You can check that out on YouTube, the NFL on NBC YouTube channel. Uh, Pete likes to talk about traveling, so I fully expect in one of these first episodes a sizzler conversation with Peter King. I would love that. <laughs> Miles, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, guys. There you're, he is, Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk. You're welcome. Forgetting sizzler. Today's Cofield and Company is presented by Ellis Island Casino, home of $5 microbrews every day and all-you-can-drink packages during NFL games. Well, my job is about physicality, and I can go out and almost be a brute, right? As long as I'm in the right spot, and now I got to go be more physical than this guy. And so now I can focus on attacking. When you play quarterback, that's not really what it is. Yeah. I actually don't want you amped up. I don't want you hype. I want you focused, and I want you to be able to lead the team, and you be called. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Was Russell Wilson too amped up? We're going to uh, break down week one in the NFL and then some of the overreactions leading to week two numbers with Sam Paniotovich here in less than five minutes. But first, the giveaway, 364-1100, 364-1100. Alice Cooper, special guest, Ace Freely, Dollar Loan Center in Henderson, AXS.com is where you can grab your tickets. But well, we've got two free tickets right now. Alice Cooper, Ace Freely. September 8th, Dollar Loan Center, 364-1100, caller 7364-1100. It's 
Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. Time to check in with Sam Paniotovich. Adam Hillis here. It's Cofield Ari as well. Sam, are you still alive in Survivor? I told you, Ravens, baby. That was no problem. Easy. Yep, easy. Uh, Von Tobel uh, last week was pushing me one day about uh, how the Jets were going to stay in the game, and then he was like, you want to lay the seven with the Ravens? And I'm like, yep, let's lay it. And, boy, that was pathetic. Now, that said, uh, I know there are some people who didn't put their entries in, but I think we've got, what, roughly like 48, 49, almost 50% of Survivor entries out after week more one, than right? That. Is it more than more that? Than okay. That. All right. Yeah, because you had 569 people that took the Broncos Ooh. last night. Wow. So, Circus Survivor started with 6,100 entries, 6,133, 2,600 remaining, wow. 2,685. Yeah, over half the pool is gone. Wow. And you know what's funny, Steve and Adam? It's like <laughs> the two people that took the freaking Jets. Or the three people that took the Lions, or the right. eight people that took Jacksonville. Like, what are we doing here? Well, we actually talked about this last week. Uh, Adam had uh, Derek Stevens on for us, and Derek was going through some kind of alternate ways to do it. If you had multiple entries, maybe you pick a big upset, and then you're on the right side of you know the field disappearing. Wasn't that kind of the conversation, well, right, yeah, Adam? The, the hope is this week. The week goes exactly how it went, except yeah. the Ravens also lose. And then all of a sudden, you have one of these obscure teams, and you're like, all right, look, now I've eliminated like 80% of the field and I can move on. That just seems like a crazy way to go about it, but I think that's the strategy. Look, I understand, and I talked with Derek for uh, some stuff on Nesson, and he had that laminated chart unveiled on his table. It looked like the Holy Bible, <laughs> and he's going through all these strategies, and he rattles off you know, the, the fade, the double fade, the Merlin reversal. I'm like, what the hell is the Merlin Mer- reversal? Merlin reversal Good, he mentioned on our show, too. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Nobody does. You didn't, so you didn't go Merlin reversal? I, I still don't know what it is, and I'll tell you what. I'm one of those people that will just try and, like, I'll figure it out down the stretch because we have upsets every week. I'm not one of those people that is going to go, well, you know, I'm going to save the Packers. Like, no, I'm going against the Bears on Sunday night because the Bears suck. This game is not played in a swimming pool, ideally, like last week's. <laughs> They're going to lose to the Packers. Like, I, I just want to move on. I want to survive. I don't want to get cute. I like I like that move too. Uh, we we're talking a little bit about the the strategy of playing guys in the preseason or not playing guys in the preseason. Uh, we saw the record came out. I guess it's two and nine of guys that did not play in the preseason in terms of quarterbacks and how they played. Do you take anything from that moving forward for maybe your handicapping next year? It's a good question. I I honestly hadn't thought about it one bit because I don't really value the preseason all that much. But that's a pretty nice record if you're fading those people, right? You're nine and two. Um, of course, that goes away in week number two because everybody's got time under their belt now. But that's wild. So the quarterbacks like that, yeah. that didn't play or were two and nine. Yeah, they were really? terrible. They were terrible, and obviously that's a big narrative with the Raiders. But I also think it's way too small a sample. Yeah, we got to do thought. more research on this and see what the record is going back like five years. That's my thought, Sam, because it could easily have been like nine and two last year. We just don't remember. Uh, so I was like, I'm not going to really take anything about it out of this necessarily. But it might be worth starting to go back and research from the past. Well, that's you just did something an influencer would do. Give a trend without context. Sure. <laughs> sure. Of course. Sam Paniotovich, Nassim, Fox Sports. All right. Who – good, Adam. Yeah. Uh, we've had one week in the books. Obviously, we don't want to make any rash decisions or anything, but uh, who were the three best teams that you saw this week? Kansas City was number one. I think all the questions about what will they look like without Tyree Kill went to the wayside because it was impossible for – the opposition, granted, Arizona is not great. It was impossible for them to key on one person because you thought when they had Hill, all right, we're going to double Hill and then we'll take away the middle, we'll bracket Kelsey, and then who else will beat us? Well, they got they got younger. They got almost like quicker. Um, I don't know that they got better at receiver, but there's more depth at receiver. They looked like one of the best teams in football. I think every conversation we have starts with Kansas City and Buffalo. And then who's number three? Look, I, I don't want to get too excited here, but Steve, you and I have talked about this team for six weeks now on this program. Did you see what the Minnesota Vikings did to that Green Bay defense? Yep. I mean, Justin Jefferson was wide open multiple times. 
Dalvin Cook didn't even have a good game, and they and they still beat the snot out of the Packers. Are the Vikings a top three team? I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. But man, did that team? I mean, how much better did they look than Green Bay, a team that played in the NFC Championship last year? You're not getting value now as well. Would you bet them to win the NFC North now? Plus 140. Packers favored no. plus 115. No, I wouldn't. I'd go a little bit bigger than that. And again, you and I discussed this before the season started. They were twenty to one to win the NFC. Mm. That number is long gone. The best you could pri- uh, best price you could find right now in Minnesota is plus nine fifty. So after one football game, their odds have been slashed more than in half. Um, but that's a team. I-, I think their ceiling is NFC Championship game. And if they go there, they don't have to really win that game. If you have an NFC ticket, you know you could hedge off it in the championship game, but that is arguably the best offense in the NFC. And that's not hyperbolic at all. Give me some week one overaction or overreactions that have uh, now moved into week two with numbers being set. I'll give you a perfect example going into a game. Nobody wants to bet this side. It's new England and Pittsburgh. I actually put this Twitter poll up at SP shoot. I asked anybody betting the Patriots minus one at Pittsburgh question mark. I gave you three options. Yes, no, and hell no. (laughs) Of the 830 votes, 46 said hell no, they would not bet the Patriots. 30% said no for a combined 76% on the no. And only 24% of the people will bet the Patriots. Now, I'm a little skewed because I'm in Boston, in New England. But with no T.J. Watt, with a banged-up Najee Harris... Mitchell Trubisky against Bill Belichick. And did you look at the box score? Cincinnati had 20 more first downs. They had over 170 more yards. They had the ball for 17 more minutes. But Joe Burrow just threw four picks. And the Steelers still tried to lose that game. Like, How are people so excited to run to the window and bet on Trubisky and a bad offense against Belichick? That, to me, and the line's moving the other way. All the bets so far on Pittsburgh, 75, 80% of the bets on Pittsburgh. Yet New England opens one. We're at one and a half, and we're getting closer to two. This is this is going to be the ultimate pros against Joe's games. That is going to be one of the bigger decisions for the house because everybody is going to bet Pittsburgh because they beat the Bengals. What do you got, Adam? No, are you saying it's important to actually look at – like we just we mentioned earlier uh, <laughs> the Seahawks and, and uh, Broncos game yesterday – you couldn't possibly watch that game and think the Seahawks were a better team than the Broncos. But people Absolutely come out like, not. the Seahawks won, though. Like That's ridiculous. It's, it's such Nathaniel a Hackett, thing. Nathan- and I'm sure you guys have talked about this. Nathaniel Hackett is an absolute idiot. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the play calling inside the five-yard line all night long was horrendous. And then, on, you know, it's third and inches, third and goal from the five-inch line. And he's got the quarterback in the shotgun at the five-yard line. And then that we all watched the fourth quarter melt where he wasted the clock and then played for the 64-yard field goal that the guy missed, and then he sent him back out there to miss again. I mean, that guy is a total doofus. But, look, this is the NFL, man. If you win the turnover battle, you can be in any game. And that's what happened to Seattle. It's also what happened to Pittsburgh. It happened to Chicago because Trey Lance has, like, never played in a game like that, and he was, he was spooked. Just because teams win in week one doesn't mean they're good. I'm looking at you, Washington football team. You know, that was the game I was looking at. Adam, what was your what were you saying earlier about the Lions not uh, not being favored in like twenty four straight games? Uh yeah, it's a Super Bowl or Super Bowl era record that they're if they're favored this week, they'll finally snap the streak, but they have had the longest streak ever of never being a favorite. Do you want to lay the two 20- and a half with the Lions against Washington? Uh, I don't love laying two and a half, to be honest with you. That's I, just, I have a weird thing about that number because <laughs> if, if the game lands 21-20 or 23-21, I'm going to kick myself. Um, that might be, look, I don't, I don't love laying chalk, but I would much I would feel much better about laying minus 130 on Detroit. I know 130 is not awesome to do all the time, but I, I, laying two and a half, I, I know. The math guys are going to crush me for that one, but I have laid two and a half too many times, and they win by one, and I just hate myself. So I, I'll probably pass the game, but I, w- I will play the Lions in my contest. That's for sure. Like, that's, I've, you know, five picks, the Lions will make my card for sure. So will the Giants. Is, my Giants, by the way. I know. You're, you're taking ownership of them. 
But Brian Dable, genius, being aggressive on fourth down. Brandon Staley, moron, not qualified to coach. Okay. Um, <laughs> overreaction, Bills minus 10 against the Titans. It's an overreaction for sure. Okay. That being said, you have to make it that high because if you're booking bets, you gotta you got to sort of entice me to take Tennessee. Like, imagine if you made this seven and a half, eight, nine, you'd just write it up anyways. So what the books are doing is they're, they're trying to write some of that sharp money on the plus 10 because they know that the average Joe is going to lay 10. They're going to put them in parlays and all that. So that's just putting a good number higher than it should be because you know your audience, you know your clientele. I, I wouldn't take 10. I mean, wise guys will take 10 because it's a number. I, I don't want to bet that game. The total down in that game, too, from 51 to 49. If Tennessee wants any chance to hang in that game, they are going to just run the ball. They're going to, they're going to run Derrick Henry 40 times, try and get out of there in a 2017-type game. They don't want any part of a shootout. But if Buffalo dictates the tempo early, they go up 14 nothing. man. Good luck trying to dictate the pace down 14. Heisman watch. Well, we've got a new guy moving up the charts. We know him. But where's Caleb Williams now from USC? So I'm looking at the Superbook odds right now. He is the co-second favorite. It's all, it's really close between three guys. C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, quarterback 5-2. to two, And then Bryce Young from Alabama and Caleb Williams, both plus 350 at this point. Look, man, there may not be a better quarterback-wide receiver combo in the country than the one Lincoln Riley has at USC. Caleb Williams already completing almost 80% of his passes. Uh, 600 yards, give or take, six scores, no picks, but he's throwing to the Bolitnikoff winner, Jordan uh, Jordan Addison, who yep. was at Pittsburgh last year, and now he's at USC. That combo right there is the best combo in football. Now, it doesn't mean USC is going to win 10, 11 games because you, you go 9-3, and three, you probably don't win the Heisman, but that offense is even better than I thought, man, and, and they're just they're loaded at wide receiver. They have a good running game. The line is solid, and they have a top-three quarterback who's going to be in the NFL you know, as early as next season. Sam Peniatovich, Nessa in Fox Sports. we got about 45 seconds left in our spot today. The bartender, the world's ultimate mush. What happened? Yeah, he just stinks. He uh, <laughs> he had the Titans. He laid five and a half. He said Saquon Barkley was washed, and he rushed for almost 200 <laughs> yards. Uh, he's just the gift that keeps on giving. Granted, he did have the Bills opening night like everybody, but he's going right. to lose more than he wins. Um, I have to plug this, too. Our buddy Tony Miller is going to be on Chicken Dinner on Friday, so nice. you Ooh. may want to check that episode out. It's going to be a good one, I promise. Nice. Did you uh, did you shoot a couple of the uh, the Claus Azuls with the victory or not? Uh, I saw you use that <laughs> bottle in your picture. You know I did. Yeah. You know I did. And, um, yeah, I mean, it tends to happen. You know, when bottles are around, you know, bottles have to be put down. That's the way it I'm goes. I'm well aware of that. Sam, thank you so much. All right, guys. See you. Celebratory mood with the SO after the Chargers victory on Sunday night. We go to a casino. She's like, oh, the Don Julio 1942. $35 a shot. Yeah, let's get a couple. Sits there for five seconds, right? She turns to her side and knocks it all over the counter. Didn't drink one drop. <laughs> The Football Frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. The Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Yeah, doing uh, some new things on, uh, if I can say it, doing some new things on Cofield and Company. Adam Hill is here. That's not new. Ari's here. That's not new. But Football Frenzy every day at 5. Now Big 4 at 4 every day at 4. Makes sense, right? Makes sense. Let's do a giveaway coming out here at 5 o'clock hour. We're going to cut it off a little early today. Aces basketball, game number two of the WNBA Finals coming up right here on ESPN Las Vegas. The game over at the MUA McUltra Arena. We got a residency going down rest of the year. Park MGM Aerosmith. Deuce is a wild residency. You can grab your tickets at Ticketmaster.com, but Ari's got a pair right now. The ticket window is open. 364-1100. Aerosmith. In Vegas, two tickets, three, six, four, one, one, zero, zero. You know, because you showed me the video around 420 today, I can't let it go. I do have to follow up on it for a second because it's been a topic of discussion for the last show and three quarters. You sent me over a video of some fan behavior, and we saw a lot of fans shacked in a fool around the National Football League. And the latest one you sent me was a Bengals fan sitting in her seat, vomiting repeatedly on the ground and herself, not moving. 
and there's a there's a like a young girl, what, 13 years old maybe, in a neck brace. Her dad has no idea what's going on. She's got her bag underneath this. Did you see her bag underneath the seat? Because I noticed that. And there's just it's like this real like just just spraying vomit. It's not going on her, but it's leaking down. And I'm just oh, like, oh, you know, some guy. Uh, the the NFL is so image conscious. Are beer sales, and in this case, I think it was a white claw in front of her. Yeah. Are beer sales and seltzer sales that important? That they're cool with all these videos of just people annihilating each other and vomiting on each other at stadium. That's acceptable. That doesn't represent the real fans, Steve. It's an isolated no. incident. Here's the thing. That is the real fans. Of course it is. Of course. While the frou-frou people are up in a suite probably vomiting on each other up there. Maybe they'll go to the bathroom. This woman would not get up from her seat and was just vomiting repeatedly. And more and more at games... There are a lot of fans like that who are just destroyed. Well, to be fair, in, in Cincinnati, that's a beautification project. You did have a good line, though, when you said she was just reacting to the O-line in game yeah. one for the Bengals. Yeah. No, that's uh, that is liter- that's just the entire city of Cincinnati. Their food is vomit. Their city well, is vomit. Thank God there wasn't Skyline Chili in that. The pro- there might have been. This is a gross way to start How out the 5 know? o'clock hour. By the way, that, I mean, it looked... It was White Claw coming back up. It was White Claw. And there was White Claw in front of her? It clearly was. I like White Claw. I like a lot of seltzers. How much do you have to drink to get that hammered where it's coming up? I, by the way, I... So it's I, a nice light drink. I did stay up until uh, almost 7 this morning watching the entire for the entire new season of Cobra Kai. Uh, oh, man. don't Please don't spoil. <laughs> well, I'll just, I'm not going to spoil. I have I so say, much to catch up on. Uh, Johnny, not impressed with... Uh, he discovers seltzer. Oh, of course, John, and Johnny Lawrence orders one, and he's like, he's not happy. By the way, it. did they brand place on the on with the seltzer? They did White Claw. They did. Oh yeah. So White Claw bought a spot. He goes, he's like White Claw. That sounds badass. No. <laughs> it's, it's did uh, did uh, the snub nose the little the mini bottles the small bottles of uh, Coors reup? Oh yeah, because that's been there the whole time. Sure. And and uh, yeah. he's a man's man for uh, not liking seltzer. <laughs> Kidding. Johnny and uh, Daniel Son, they share uh, share a moment. But I'm not gonna uh, but I'm just gonna point out that they shared a moment and he says, Hey, thanks for the banquet. Like he he calls out yeah, the the banquet. Yeah, of course. I, I do have to thank you while I'm trying to catch up on all these TV shows. Um, the Donaghy NBA documentary. I know you said it wasn't good. I think it's amazing. It wasn't good until the last 20 minutes. I thought it was. The characters in it are amazing. The sure. dirt bags that are around Tim Donnie. Folks, watch this. Well, it's, it's, it's on Netflix. And then the watching, knowing what we know now, watching David Stern, or as we dubbed him, Don David Sternio, because he operated when he was alive like a mobster. Yeah. Threatening people, but very quietly. Watching him... Laugh at press conferences like this whole thing was so absurd. And well, with that, you know what? I got it for tomorrow. I got that. I got that for tomorrow. And I got another documentary we're going to tee up for tomorrow for a couple of good topics. I'm ready. But that was that's recommended viewing. That was really good. Yeah. But and it's just that that Southeast Pennsylvania, just, all of them, all, all the trash. Just listening to just listening to Donaghy speak. And he's lying throughout the whole thing. Well, that's a good question. We'll yeah. get into that tomorrow. Who's who's the biggest liar? Who you know? Who's the? Because uh, I think there's a lot of people lying, lots, to cover their ass. It's uh, maybe not Baba. <laughs> what, a t- what a tease! What's going on with Andre James, the starting center for the Raiders? Andre James, what's going on with him? Because now it looks like they've added another center to the roster. Yeah, they did, and, and I'll I'll just kind of go back and you know for those that didn't uh, see my story the other day. Um, Andre James, if you you can find the clip, it's it's all over the place on uh, on social media. I can I'll I'll retweet it later. Actually, um, last play of the game for those that think back, Raiders had a fourth. Oh, last offensive play of the game for the Raiders. Last significant play uh, before the kneel downs. Raiders have a fourth down. Uh, they're trying if they score a touchdown, obviously they can win the game right there. But they have a fourth down. They get a sack. Uh, Derek Carr fumbles, and Andre James dives to try to get the ball. Joey Bosa dives at the same time. And Joey Bosa's helmet hit Andre James' helmet, and you could see Andre James is kind of sprawled out, face down on the on the ground. Uh, didn't look great. We walked into the locker room afterward. Uh, Andre James, I'm, I'll I'll say, didn't look like himself. 
he kind of looked like he he didn't quite know exactly what was going on. And about 30 seconds later, I looked over and he had sunglasses on and was just sitting kind of by his locker. Um, clearly, probably somebody said, hey, like, this is probably for the best uh, concussion protocol type thing. Um, and some some reporters went over to try to talk to him because they want to talk to all the offensive linemen. And a couple of the teammates just kind of stepped in and said, no, 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 don't, don't talk to him. So there was clearly something going on. Uh, as we left the locker room at SoFi, uh, Andre James was placed into an ambulance and taken away uh, for – you know, observation. They went to check him out. He was back home in Vegas Sunday night, so he wasn't he wasn't overnight in the hospital. Uh, he flew back, uh, I believe, after the team did on Sunday night. Uh, so they said, you know, they were worried, not as worried now, but they do bring in a center just in case um, to see, you know, how how he might recover uh, later on in the week. There's no guarantee that he won't be able to play, uh, but I think that there is some concern that maybe he's not quite uh, available by then. Uh, but I don't know. It, it's a it, it's a rough spot for them to be in. They also uh, brought an assembly to uh, to have a workout today who, as well. Tell people who assembly is because it's a name former, from the past. Former Pro Bowler, yes. Uh, but he's played eight games over the last three seasons. Didn't Oof. play at all last year. Uh, last time he was on the field was Week Five for the Chiefs in 2020, and he uh, tore tendons in both knees at the same time. Oh, come on, it was a horrible injury. Uh, and then missed last last week or last year completely. So eight games over three seasons. But uh, I'll say this: uh, he's been posting some workout videos. He looks to be in incredible shape. Uh, so if he could be anywhere near what he was when he was a All Pro, I believe 2015, uh, that would be helpful. Uh, but it has been a while since he's played at that level. Uh, the guy they brought in is Billy Price, former first round pick of the Bengals, 2018. Didn't, yeah, didn't uh, didn't find a team this offseason. He's kind of waiting around a little bit, and uh, they bring him in, so he's there. Uh, we'll see how quickly he can get up to speed. But I think it's mostly insurance policy in case Andre's not ready. Uh, you know, you never know how these things are going to react. You never know how quickly somebody's going to get through protocol on that. But uh, they Price definitely wouldn't, have that. He wouldn't be the guy who's playing. He's a backup to no, the backup. Grasso, they called up, but okay. they 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 need and Dylan Parham maybe right. plays center. Right. They've they've worked him out. Um, it's just it's other guys in the mix. And by the way, it's there's a lot of question marks on the offensive line. So the more talent and uh, and ability and bodies you can have in there, the better. Johnny Simpson, one of the question marks, and what was going on on social media? He still has his Instagram, but he did tweet a a peace sign. He uh, tweeted the deuces. If you want to. Uh, uh, if you want to use the slang, he just tweeted it and then deleted his account. Is he mad at the Raiders or just tired of Twitter? Again, this is not quite Trent Brown. Like Trent Brown would always tweet things. And we'd be like, who knows what he means? Let's try to get some sort of a translator or uh, some kind of a psychic to read the cryptic messages. I don't know. I I, I said that's what everybody's taking it on social media uh, as. Oh, he's mad at the Raiders or something going on. Obviously, with Assembly coming in, maybe he's saying, "Oh, I'm losing my spot." Whatever. He didn't delete Instagram. He's still on Instagram. So my thought was, maybe he just doesn't like Twitter. He could have just been saying deuces to Twitter. Like, that's very possible. Now, tomorrow, locker room's back open. We can ask him. I don't know if he's going to answer. But maybe he just doesn't like Twitter because, like I said, he's still on Instagram. And Twitter is, it does seem to be a more toxic place in general. So maybe he's hearing a lot. He's, He's seeing what a lot of people are saying on Twitter and doesn't like it anymore. I don't know. We'll find out. But certainly a lot of people are reacting to that today on social media. Most of the attention has been placed on the offensive line for the six sacks by the Chargers and the destruction at the hands of Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, who really blew things up down the stretch on the key third and fourth down, both times punching the ball out, forcing fumbles on Derek Carr. But the more football coaches you talk to, one, I think they're going to try to cover for specific linemen, the entire O-line group. But the more you talk to coaches, the more you watch football, there is a lot that goes into protecting the quarterback. It's not just the offensive line. Uh, it's also the tight end, who is an offensive lineman, but rarely talked about as an offensive lineman. There's also the responsibilities of the running backs, and the quarterback has to get the ball out quickly. Here's Mick Lombardi today, the O coordinator, being asked about, hey, covered sacks here? Like, what did you see? Was it on the offensive lineman, or were there some covered sacks? When you throw the ball almost 40 times, there's going to be times when the pocket gets pushed, and especially when the defense knows you're throwing it. Um, and like you said, the covers dictated the sack. And, you know, would, going back to everybody doing the right thing, right, whether the quarterback taking an easy throw or the receiver running the right route at the right depth, you know, all that stuff comes to play. And next thing you know, you know, we gave up, we gave up in negative yards 
you know, on the one gadget play we ran or whatever, what have you, on the reverse of Devontae. Um, but other than that, really, I thought the offensive line did a good job of anchoring and staying in there. And then obviously, we would like to get the ball out more on time, more consistently. Okay, ball out on time, right? McDaniel said that a lot yesterday. Quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. And uh, both guys stood up for the offensive line. Lombardi said three or four times today that he thought they did a good job. And they've been buried, you know, to, to Simpson's point, they've been buried on social media platforms like, like yeah. Twitter, just getting yeah, well, killed. It, it's, an, it's an easy react. Well, especially look at the narrative all offseason. I mean, how many times did, yep. did I write about it? Did Vinny write it? Did everybody that covers this team write about the offensive line, the questions they've had? I have talked to people around the league that have even said, I don't know what their plan is. Like, I don't know what they're doing. Why would you assemble all this talent and not have anybody to block for them? Now, I think they believed in their plan and their process. Um, but with all that is the narrative, and then you see all these sacks in week one, it's easy to just be like, oh, offensive line stinks. Now, there was some concerns on the offensive line. There was a couple of guys that, listen, Colton Miller had one of the worst games of his career. It was awful. And, a, lot of, I, a lot of power rushes, too. And I don't expect, A lot of strength on strength, and he was getting pushed back in a car. But I don't expect that to continue. Like I, I know his PFF grade was horrific, and I look back, he had one game like that last year where he had an awful grade, and then he bounced back with a really good game the next week. And he was very consistent all year last year. I wouldn't be overly concerned that that's going to happen consistently to Colton Miller. I, he's had these, like, what I think uh, 2020 had one game that was bad, too. And the rest of the games were pretty good. So it seems like he has one game a year where he just really struggles. That might have just been it. Uh, you look at the rest of the offensive line, as we mentioned, Dylan Parham actually played fairly well. Jermaine Illuminor wasn't terrible. Lester Cotton's pass blocking was phenomenal uh, on, on Sunday. So... It's easy to say, well, the offensive line stinks because we that that's that was our pre, you know, our pre-existing notion of what happened. But if you really look at it, a there was a couple of plays where nobody got open. B, I think Derek Carr stepped into a couple of sacks that probably shouldn't have happened. Uh, there was one sack in particular where there was a very very no. Oh, actually, it wasn't a sack. I'll tell you what play it was. The uh, the underthrow to Renfro that got intercepted in the fourth quarter, uh, which was just a terrible pass. Now, if you watch it, there was absolutely a lane to step up. And make and make a throw. He didn't. He actually stepped into an offensive lineman who was being pushed back, but there was a pocket there that he could have stepped up into. So it's easy to say, "Oh, offensive line stinks," and there was times that they did. But it's not the only. It's not the only thing we mentioned on the Devontae Adams play, the trick play. I, I, I still don't know what Darren Waller was doing. And you know, Derek Carr stepped into a couple. The offensive line was responsible. There was a couple plays where somebody was supposed to chip. I know uh, Brandon Bolding got pushed back really bad on a play that he was pass blocking. There's plenty of blame to go around to, uh, instead of just saying, well, the offensive line stinks. You have to look, take a little deeper look at it. Aces game coming up. 5.30 pregame, 6 o'clock tip, WNBA championship series, game number two. They lead one nothing Tomorrow we're going to be on the road at the Rampart in the sportsbook. That's a great place late night. I mean, we want you to come by from 3 to 6 when we're there. But it's a great place late night to hang out. They've got Rampart After Dark at a beer and a shot special available at all the casino bars. Also, at the Earl Grey Cafe, there's so many cafes that just are not open late night anymore. Their cafe at Rampart is open uh, all night long into the morning. Midnight to 5, they've got graveyard specials, uh, breakfast items, cheeseburger, quesadilla, and those are all 6 bucks. So 6 I mean, that, that's what we love about Vegas is the the overnight food specials for just $6. All right. I didn't – maybe you wrote this and I just hadn't seen it, or maybe I missed you know the you guys doing it on Friday. You picked the order of the AFC West? Yeah. What was your prediction? Uh, well, it, it, it goes back a little bit more, too. I, everybody talked all, all offseason about the AFC West and, oh, it's so good, it's so unpredictable, any of the teams can finish first or fourth, it's going to be wild. And I thought that was the case. Um, I've thought all along, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if anybody wins it. Would it be shocking to me if the Raiders won the division? No. Would it be shocking if the Broncos did after last night? Maybe. But would it be shocking? No, not necessarily. So I thought it was completely unpredictable and wild. And then there was a, a collection of handicappers and, and football people that were in town uh, at Circa a couple, a couple weeks ago. And so I kind of decided to pose the question, right? I had about 12 guys there that were all very, very sharp minds. I won't include myself, so I'll say 11. Uh, very sharp minds, and I said, what's the order of finishing the AFC West? Without them hearing each other, individually. And nine of the 12 had the exact same order, and almost everyone was very, very close. And that order was the same one I had, was Chargers, Chiefs, Raiders, Broncos. And that was what I picked. Again, not obvious, not an easy 
uh, answer. I think anybody can finish anywhere in this division. But I thought it was really weird that everybody had the same thought kind of of where this was going to go. It was a pretty consensus opinion that it went Chargers, Chiefs, Raiders, Broncos. Now, after week one, Chiefs look really good. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to beat them, but their schedule is brutal uh, ahead. So maybe the Chiefs are there, but it, it's, you know, I think after week one, you look at that and say, yeah, Broncos might be the worst team, although they played fine last night. They just had some coaching issues. Um, it, it's gonna, It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But after week one, I don't think you necessarily changed that opinion. Yeah, my opinion was the Chiefs were going to win the division. Chargers were second. I'm not changing that. And I don't think this next game is going to – I mean, the Chargers could go there. I guess it might move towards changing my mind. I don't know. Without um, Keenan Allen and what are we going to have, 80%, 90%? J.C. Jackson, if he does play. Yeah, probably not. Uh, but what I saw on Sunday, some of the same things that hurt the Chargers a year ago, finishing off games still worries me. The Raiders mm-hmm. shouldn't have been in that game – down the stretch, the defense did a great job for the Raiders, but the Chargers have to take advantage of having a lead. Uh, down the stretch, Raiders allowed, what, two first downs, forced three three-and-outs. That was in the final five drives yesterday. And give credit, give credit to the Chargers' defense. I mean, they, they when they pinned their ears back, they got after them. The Raiders did nothing, but there's there was no reason for the Chargers to repeatedly give the ball back. To the Raiders, well, and and one of the one of the things is on third downs, they've got to be able to run the ball. And if they can't run the ball, then you got to get out to receivers. And Austin Eckler between the tackles is not an effective play. Um, I don't know if Horvath is the guy. I don't know if Sony Michelle is the guy because Michelle finally got it done. That is one of the things they need to correct. And Keenan Allen's a big part of that. Yeah, and Mike Mike Williams say. was blanketed or whatever whatever the reason was. Williams wasn't great. In the game, that's to me, that's the next level thing for the Chargers. If they want to be a 12 win team, they have to be able to close out games and close it out easily when you're up 14 or 10 points. Yeah, yeah I mean, my my takeaway was you if Keenan Allen's hurt and he's getting older, you got to find somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like after he was done, no. they had a couple of possessions where they were okay. There were they had no solution for who's going to be that go to guy. I'll give you the guy I like, and yeah, I DeAndre Carter. No, look good. Um, no, the guy I like. And I could not believe they were in sync on the play. But Gerald Everett on that play where Herbert's rolling left and Everett and he look at each other and they're like, all right, the short route ain't there. And Everett turns up field and then that freaking back shoulder throw and catch. Like Everett can be the guy. But I still think you have to find a way on third and three, third and two, third and one. You got to find a way to be able to get it every once in a while with the run. I'll I'll tell you what my biggest problem with the Chargers was in general, and it was a like obviously a play that didn't necessarily matter. Um, I don't know who's gotten in Staley's head, but he punted on a fourth and one at the forty-eight. I don't do that. That was an unacceptable decision. Yep. And and do what you were doing last year. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if somebody got in his head and told him like we're not doing this, or I don't know what his what went into that decision. That was that to me was there's something he's questioning something about. Yep. His decision maker and his methods, and that was baffling. I'll, I'll, if I could talk to him, I would say, F, you. F, F Rex Ryan. Yeah, don't listen to guys like that who were freaking working behind a desk. Yeah, be you. Do what you were doing last year. Just execute better and pick better plays. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and that yeah that, that that absolutely to me uh, is is where you uh, where you look at it. And I thought uh, there was. I'm trying to think, there was another play where it was the right decision. It was just a ridiculous play call. I'm trying to remember exactly when it was, but. Um, yeah, be, go back to being you, be you don't let this other nonsense get in your head, do what you're going to do and, and coach the way that you believe in, not the way other people think you should think ACE is coming up. So they took a one, nothing lead. Boy, that was a rough game, right? Yeah. They, the, the sun wanted to slow things down. Brawl ball 67, 64 was one of the lowest scoring outputs for the aces all year long. Uh, Becky Hammond seemed to suggest that she's got some adjustments on the way. To open things up, I wonder what she does. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'll start by saying, first of all, this game is massive. Obviously, you know, if you're up one nothing in a best of five, it's massive anyway. But <laughs> just to put it in perspective, uh, they just flashed the stat up there, and I have not looked at this. It just, they literally just showed it like two minutes ago. Uh, teams that go up two nothing in the WNBA Finals, fifteen and zero. So that tells you how big this game is tonight. If the Aces can actually get the job done at home. Uh, Kelsey Plum has struggled scoring the ball. I think it was pretty late in the second half when she finally scored her first point the other day. Uh, if she can find a way to open it up, 
and obviously the way that everyone else on the team is playing, uh, find a way to run, find a way to move the tempo, and uh, find a way to win this game, and you're one step away from bringing a championship to Las Vegas. Be pretty cool. Yeah. Be a good story. Delivers on, you know, what the goal was here. It's always a goal to win a championship, but, you know, they looked at the team a year ago, really the last couple of years, as one that underachieved when it came time, you know, the most important time of the year. And Lambeer playing, you know, big basketball, and it's like, that's it. Let's go to FIBA ball. Let's get smaller. Let's run everyone out of the freaking gym, and now we'll see tonight if they make the adjustments and they can get and this I, game back where they're comfortable in the 80s, 90s, 100s. I believe their boss, Mark Davis, has told them get the job done in three games, sweep this, because game four would be in Connecticut on Sunday, the same day as the Raiders' home opener, and he has said he would go to game four in Connecticut. So. Wow. Wow, that, that'd be a big decision. Coming up, Aces game. Reminder tomorrow, 3 o'clock start. Cofield and company on the road inside the sportsbook at the Rampart.